first scripture lesson is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 12. Listen now for the word of God. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. When Jesus was 30 years old, he headed down to the Jordan River where he was baptized by John the Baptist. And afterwards, he headed up toward a region called Galilee where he began proclaiming the good news of God saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Now you have to wonder, why would Jesus begin his ministry in a place like Galilee? You know, why not go to Jerusalem or, or Rome or all the power players were where he could make a real difference? I mean, why waste his time in Galilee? 
And for that matter, after his resurrection, why did the angels say to the women at the tomb that Jesus was going ahead of them to Galilee, and there they would see him? What's so special about Galilee? I mean, Galilee was just so ordinary. Exactly. Galilee was the ordinary place where Jesus' disciples carried on their everyday lives. It's where they got up every morning and went to work. It's where they attended school and bought their groceries and had dinner with their families. It's where they paid their bills and worried about their futures. It's where they buried their loved ones and gave birth to their babies. Galilee is where regular, everyday life took place. Oh, we may know it as Birmingham or Mountain Brook or Homewood, but, but it's Galilee all the same. And it is here in Galilee that Jesus comes and finds each of his disciples, each of us, as we go about our ordinary lives. And he calls us to turn away from all the things that we are clinging to for life and follow him so that we can become a part of the extraordinary thing taking place here in Galilee. Now that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come among us in the person of Jesus. Well, according to our text, one day Jesus went walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And there he came across two fishermen, the brothers Simon and Andrew, who were busy casting their nets into the sea, trying to catch as much as they could. There they were, hard at work, trying to make a life for themselves. And maybe they thought if they could just just get a few more fish, then maybe one of these days they could fulfill their dream of, of buying that big house up on the hill they'd been dreaming about. Or maybe they were just trying to put away a little extra savings for college. After all, tuition at the University of Galilee was getting outrageous. Or maybe, maybe they were trying to earn enough money so they could buy a second fishing boat, which would then double their profits, and maybe if they worked hard, they could actually have an early retirement. After all, fishing was hard and exhausting work, and they could certainly use more time with their families. And maybe Peter was still trying to prove to his mother-in-law that he could provide for her daughter as he had promised. Whatever it was, the brothers were busy at work, casting their nets into the sea, trying to catch all of their hopes and dreams. When Jesus summoned them saying, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately the text tells us they left their nets and followed him. Like Simon and Andrew, many of us are also busy casting our nets into the sea, trying to gather up as much as we can in life. We work so hard to, to earn more, to accomplish more, to accumulate more, to prove more. 
We slave away at jobs that many of us don't even really like so that we can maintain lifestyles that often aren't even all that satisfying. We manically, or perhaps maniacally, push our children to excel at school and at sports, usually just to satisfy our own egos. We obsess over our grades, over our image, over our titles, over our dreams. We go from job to job, from relationship to relationship, from addiction to addiction, often even from church to church, certain that this next catch will finally be the one that makes us happy, though it never does. And yet day after day, we get up and cast our nets out once again, desperate to secure that elusive thing that will give us life. The truth is, we will never find what we are looking for in life by trying to get more. We can knock ourselves out trying to construct the life that we think we want, but the Bible makes it clear that life is never a goal for us to achieve, but rather a gift to be received. As the psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Only the risen Christ can give us the life that we are longing for, the life that we were created for. And all of the gifts and, and skills and resources that God has given us were never meant to be used just to gather up more for ourselves, to catch as many fish as possible in order to satisfy all of our own needs and desires. No, they were meant to be used in service to Jesus and his kingdom. And just as he promised to, Jay, to Simon and Andrew, if we will let go of our nets and turn them over to Jesus, then he will make our lives into something extraordinary but we've got to turn and follow him. Well, after securing his first two disciples, Jesus then continues on down the Sea of Galilee where he comes across two more fishermen, two more brothers, James and John, who were sitting in their boat mending their nets. You know, maybe... It had been a rough day on the job, and both they and their nets had been beaten up a bit and, and needed a little TLC. Or maybe they'd been sick or injured and just hadn't taken proper care of their equipment and things had just really fallen apart. Or maybe, maybe they had been so distracted by so many other things going on in their lives, they just hadn't realized until then how bad things had gotten. Or maybe someone had come along and deliberately torn their nets in order to prevent competition or just to be cruel. Whatever it was, those nets were their very lives. They couldn't survive without them. And so there they were, hard at work, trying to put their broken lives back together again when Jesus also called to them, saying, follow me. And then they too 
left their nets behind and followed Jesus. Like, like James and John, perhaps some of you are also busy mending your nets, trying to put your lives back together after difficult circumstances or tragic events have broken them apart. Life has a way of, of tearing up our bodies, our plans, our hearts. And perhaps some significant relationship in your life has collapsed along with your dreams for the future and you're just trying your best to hold all the pieces of your life together. Or maybe someone dearly beloved to you has died and it feels as if your soul has been ripped in two and you just wish you could feel whole again. Or maybe some terrible words that were once spoken to you that shattered your spirit are still reverberating in your head. And every time you try to gather up the broken shards, they slip right through your fingers, drawing fresh blood once again. And maybe, like James and John, many of us are just trying to mend our broken lives and make it through another day. But whether our nets represent all the things we're trying to accumulate and achieve in life or the broken pieces of our life we're trying to put back together, what Jesus wants us to see is that life is not found in our nets. No matter how beautiful or how expensive or how sentimental or how hard-earned they might be. No, true life, abundant life, eternal life, life with a capital L is found only in following the one who has conquered death. Our lives only become what God meant for them to be. When we give up our our, our, our plans to save ourselves through all of our success dreams and self-improvement schemes, and we commit our lives to the kingdom of God, which is embodied in the person of Jesus, who is calling us to follow him. But be very sure, when we respond to Jesus' summons. We cannot remain the same people we are now. Transformation is necessary. Of course, only Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can transform us into the people that he has called us to be. And remember, Jesus always sees through us to who we can become. Oh, you may just think that you're far too ordinary and that you don't have much to offer Jesus. But the disciples were no different. They were just ordinary, uneducated fishermen, a dime a dozen in Galilee. It was Jesus who made them into something extraordinary because when he looked at them, he saw so much more than just fishermen. No, he saw fishers of people who one day would change the world. Disciples never dreamed of anything like that. 
They were just ordinary folk like you and I. But they were people who responded to Jesus' summons and surrendered their lives to him. They let go of all of their nets and all that they represented, and they turned their lives toward the Savior who saw through them to who they could become. That's what repentance is really all about. And when Jesus went to Galilee and began preaching about the kingdom of God, he called all of the people there to repent. Now, the word repent has picked up a lot of unfortunate baggage over the years. A lot of times when we hear that word, we, we think of harsh judgments that demand dramatic and tearful confessions and penance. But the Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It literally means a transformation of our knowing, of our thinking, a change of mindset. But in practical usage, it's simply meant to turn around. You're going in one direction, you stop and turn and start going in the other direction. That's a metanoia, a repentance. And the truth is, there is some place in each of our lives where we are going in the wrong direction, one that does not lead to life. And so Jesus is calling each of us to repent, to, to stop what we're doing and turn towards him who alone can give us life. But this is not just a one-time thing that we do. Because of the power of sin in our lives, we are in constant need, daily need, sometimes hourly need of repenting, of submitting our actions and our ways of thinking before the cross and reorienting our lives back towards Jesus. And as we do this, God transforms us into something we never imagined. Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you into fishers of people, servants of the poor, forgivers of enemies, champions of the less fortunate, reconcilers of broken relationships, friends of the friendless, lovers of the unlovable, preachers of the gospel, builders of the kingdom of God. Jesus will take our ordinary lives and make them into something extraordinary if we will but turn away from all the false gods we were counting on to save us and turn our lives back to the Savior again and again and again. And Jesus is calling each of us to repent as we go about our lives here in Galilee ordinary though they might be. Of course, life in Galilee is anything but ordinary when there's a risen Savior on the loose. For when Jesus Christ is present among us, Galilee becomes a place where miraculous things can occur, where broken hearts are made whole again, 
where demonic forces are defeated, where the hungry are filled and the despairing are given hope, where new life emerges out of death and where ordinary people do extraordinary things. Galilee is where we hear the incredible news that God loves sinners like us and that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven and invited to become a part of his kingdom and share in his life. But perhaps the greatest miracle of all that takes place here in Galilee is the transformation that can occur inside each one of us when we let go of our nets that we were counting on to save us. And we turn our lives back toward the Savior who always sees through us to who we can become. So why wait another day? As Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe in the good news and then come, Jesus says, and follow me. And together, we'll change the world. May it be so.